Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Welcome everyone to the Land of Podcast Leadership Podcast. Leadership Podcast, C3 San Diego Leadership Podcast. I'm here with Pastor Jurgen. How are you doing, Pastor Jurgen? Well done, Pastor David. Doing good. As well as the rest of our staff and interns. How's everybody doing? Doing really good. Uh, we are recording this podcast right before Thanksgiving. Yes. Preparation for Thanksgiving, which is going to be going to be really good. And everybody out there will be hearing this in December. Getting ready for all your Christmas celebrations and planning and Christmas Eve services and all that. And we wanted to, to take this time and this leadership podcast and just chat about about vision and. Uh, and not just, because well, as leaders, we all know the importance of casting vision. As leaders out there in podcast land, everybody knows that we need to cast the vision. Say the vision, make it plain so he who runs it can read it. But I don't really want to talk about casting the vision as much as how do we make the vision that has been cast stick. How do we make it stick into our teams? How do we make it stick in the people below us and the levels below that even? So that uh, the, the people below us as leaders can have the same conviction as as us with, with the vision. So I'll, I'll start. I'll start with this, um, Pastor Jurgen. We know the importance of casting the vision, but what what would you say is a key component in making that vision that as a leader we cast? How do we make that stick into our church members, into our leaders that are are below us and and running with the vision? Um, you know, I would say that the, the, the three eyes to vision is the first one would be um, immerse people in the vision. So one thing that we learned many, many years ago when I was a, a youth pastor was uh, we, we ran a conference called Phenomena. And uh, Phenomena was really was a national youth conference. But really what it was was, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, I was using all the other hungry teenagers around the nation who would come to our conference, I was using that to expose our people to next level, next level excellence, next level worship, next level dynamic, next level enthusiasm. So our teenagers would sit with other people who were hungry, other people who were engaging in worship. And all of a sudden what it did was it, it switched the, uh, the peer pressure where Instead of, okay, we'll see what, you know, what the youth pastor has got to preach this week where people are like, oh my gosh, this is the best I've heard. Oh my gosh, this is incredible where, uh, you know, people were immersed into an atmosphere and an environment that was next level. Plus, we were able to spend money on, you know, better screens, on better uh, lights, on better sound, on better equipment, you know, on dance and everything. And so, so what, what it was was the ability to... Um, you know, immerse people in the next level. Because I find that, you know, vision is something that I see, but the great challenge for every leader is communicating that vision. And communication isn't just message sent. We think that communication is, is I sent a message. If if somebody, if somebody, uh, you know, is Japanese and they're about to step out onto the traffic and, uh, and I yell out in English, hey, there's a car coming, it's no help to them. Unless they, unless... It's message sent, message received, message understood. So, so the key to communication is, is those three elements. It's the Trinity. It's not just message sent. It's message received, 
number two, and then message understood. And so what I found is that the great challenge for every leader is every leader has to have vision. Like you can't be a leader without vision. Uh, the Bible says, if it, Jesus speaking said, if the blind leads the blind, will they not both fall into a pit? So therefore, the prerequisite for leadership is vision. Because if, if you don't have a clear picture of where you're going, if you don't have a clear picture of what you're building, then you are aimless and you are leading people down an aimless path. And the end is everyone's going to be in a pit. So it's important for you as a leader to see. But the great challenge then, once you've seen, we think that the effort is in seeing. Seeing is the beginning. Yes. Once, yeah. once you see, it's now, so that the first one is Im immerse. The second one is uh, instill, instilling that vision. And, and I believe that the only way you can do that is, is by repeatedly speaking it. Because you'll know whether the leader believes the vision that he's seen, because it should, it should uh, come out in every pore of his, of his body. It should come out in the language. It should come out in the architecture. It should come out in every ar argument that you have. should come out in the culture. should come out in discussion. Could co should come out in uh, your purchases, in your finances. Every area should bleed the vision. And uh, you'll know whether it's just a, you know, I remember someone saying, hey, I've got a vision statement. I said, that's fantastic. What is it? They said, oh, I've got it in my, on my desk. Let me go and get it. I said, no, no, no. It's no good on your desk. Tell me what it is. Well, I've got it written down. Well, that's awesome, but it's no good just written down. Tell me what it is. Oh, I can't so remember. Good. Then you don't have a vision. Yes, I do. I've got it written down. No, you don't. You've got words on a piece of paper. Vision is something that when you close your eyes, you see it. Vision is something yes. that, that, that without having to, to read it, it, it flows out of you know exactly what your vision is. So, you know, in the, the 90s, it was all about the, the leadership era for the church. It was very much a decade where God was bringing back leadership to the church. So everybody had a vision statement. But too, too often those were very, very wordy and lengthy. And my God, I can't remember what it is. A vision has to be really, really simple. It has to be something that burns on the inside of you. So it's, you know, it's immerse, is instill is the second one. And then inspire. Uh, I, I think that you, you've, got to, you've got to put trace elements of the vision through every sermon. Through everything that you preach, you've got to preach vision. You've got to preach. The reason we do this church is because we're one church in many locations. We exist for lost people. We're not here just for the chosen, frozen. We're here. And so, so vision must, it, it must leak all the way through. It must be threaded all the way through every message that wow. you preach. That's so good. So how about, uh, how do we know that the vision that we cast as leaders is being received by every member in our church? Like what are some measurables or, or what are some key indicators to knowing that it has been received and understood by the people in our church? Well, the first one is uh, never assume that it is. Second one is your, your battle till the day you take your last breath or Christ splits the sky is not everybody in your church has caught the vision. Sadly, not everyone in your leadership team has caught the vision. Jesus has just shared with the disciples how he's going to be crucified. You know, he's going to be handed over, betrayed, you know, into the hands of sinners and men. They'll crucify him, but on the third day he'll rise again. But this must happen, that the scriptures must be fulfilled. And then the disciples said, hey, Lord, let, let me sit on your right and James sit on your left. Like, they're just like, oh, my gosh, do you guys not get it? So even his disciples, 
didn't get it. And we read all the way through the Gospels. And then afterward, they realized this is what he meant. And so Jesus's biggest battle over the three and a bit years that he was with the disciples was getting them to see what he sees. So sometimes we think, you know, uh, we're going to do, you know, a vision class and then everybody will leave understanding the vision. Nobody understands the vision. It is constant. So never ever think that, you know, you can just do a class or you can do a vision casting night. The, the vision has to be continually reinforced because all of us have sight. Because all of us have sight and then all of us have a heart. And the Bible says, you know, above all else, guard your heart for out of it spring the issues of life. Your heart is your greatest side tracker or your heart is your greatest engager. And so our job is to always to, to preach to the heart, to try and get the vision and the values of what we're building into the hearts of people. Then their sight and their heart will come into alignment and then they'll see it. But, you know, to answer your question, how do you, are there some measurables? Absolutely. You can tell the measurables by the priorities of the people in your leadership. And, uh, you know, if, if people don't, you know, they're not inviting friends or they're turning up late or, you know, they do just kind of a, you know, a half-baked job at something and you've been preaching excellence, you've been preaching, hey, we need to reach the last, hey, we need to, you, you'll see, wow, there's a disconnect. Are you not hearing what I'm casting? Are, are you not understanding? Are you not comprehending? And the biggest battle for God always, like when you read all the way through the prophets, the minor prophets in the scriptures, God is always asking him, son of man, what do you see? Tell me what you see. Well, I see. I see, you know, a basket. I see a vine. I see, you know, a pomegranate. I see. And God, God is always asking them what they see. And, you know, we know that God knows what they see because God knows everything. But he, he, he asks you, do you know what you see? And it's in, it's in him going backwards and forwards in conversation that he's able to solidify. And so I think that, um, sometimes we think, well, you know, I don't want to be repetitive as a leader. Man, I spoke last month on vision. I've got to come up with something fresh, something new. If you preached on vision every month for 12 months of the year, that's still not sufficient. You've got to continually preach on vision because people get caught up in silo mentalities, in their own priorities, in their own little things. They take their eyes off the prize and they squabble over who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. Can I sit on your right? Can I sit on your left? You know, Peter's, Lord, this will never happen to you. Get thee behind me, Satan. You know, it's like, you know, pe people just don't get it. And so you've got to constantly cast vision. But you can tell by their, their, their conversation, because the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can tell whether people get the vision. You know, I just think that we need to be a church that has, you know, five-hour services to, you don't get the vision. Uh, you know, how come, like, you can tell by what they say where they're at. And how would you uh, say how important it is for a leader to not just say, yeah, Pastor Jurgen, Pastor Leanne, I'm behind your vision, um, as opposed to I've made your vision my vision. Like, well, why is it important to make that distinction and, and the leaders move from that, from I'm um, serving your vision to no, this is my vision? Yeah, well, you know, one of my, one of my uh, heroes, one of my mentors, um, you know, and just for the sake of the, the podcast, I, I may not mention his name, but uh, he, he said to his senior pastor, when, you know, when he was an associate pastor, he said, hey, you know, Pastor such and such, I am right behind your vision. I just want you to know I am right behind your vision. And that senior pastor said, that's not good enough. Wow. 
He says, while it's my vision that your service is not good enough. He said, what do you mean? He says, when my vision becomes your vision, that's when you've bought in. If it's still, hey, pastor, we're right behind your vision. It's not good enough. It's got to become, this is my vision. This is, and that's really what God does. You know, the Bible says, surely the Lord God does nothing except he first reveal his secret to his servants, the prophets. And a, and a prophet in the Old Testament was also called a seer because they, they saw what God wanted. They saw the devastation of Israel. They saw, uh, you know, the nation straying from, from the principles of God. And they saw the heart of God. They saw the grief of God. They saw the, you know, uh, God's heart really broken wanting to see people come back and so they had to see it first and then they communicated but but god's god's purpose always is for for us to make his vision our vision and so when leanne and i came to san diego we didn't come to san diego saying hey how do we build you know the tower of babel how do we build a church who, whose top is in the heavens like we'll, we'll put jesus's name up there but really it's so that we can make a name for ourselves so that we can have fame and we can have, no, no, we came to San Diego saying, God, you know, here we are, your servants, what do you want us to build? And God said, this is the kind of church. And, I, you know, you've heard me share the story where I'm driving on the freeway and, uh, you know, just making sure I'm on the right hand side of the road, not the left. And, uh, and God said to me, you know, what kind of church are you going to build in San Diego? And I started piping off and then I realized it was, a, you know, one of those trick questions that God yeah, always yeah. asks. And I quickly cut myself short. I said, oh, what, 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 kind of question, what kind of church do you want me to build? And um, that was when God says, I want you to build a church that's fresh, that's real, and that's powerful. Wow. Fresh, real, powerful. So that's where those three words came. Yeah. So I realized that my job is to be the first recipient of his vision. Wow. And then as a team, my job is to communicate that, to, to shift the value system. Because when people don't buy into the vision, it's because... For whatever reason, in whether it's on a conscious or on a subconscious level, their value system has rejected it or accepted it. Mm. So wow. if, if if you say, "Hey, our, our you know our our vision is to reach the lost," you know, people will say, "Well, you know, the lost they're messy." You know, uh, no, no, I just think we need a church where. You know, we can come and we can just be fed. You know, and at our, our previous church pastor, we would have meetings that would go three, four hours. We'd roll on the floor. We'd bark like <laughs> dogs. And, you know, the power of God, and I'd shake, and there'd be gold dust. I mean, you know, it was useless gold dust, but it was, you know, gold <laughs> dust and, and jewels, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and again, you realize that they've yeah. rejected. Wow. Their heart is rejected. They haven't bought in. And so that, 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 that person, however gifted they may be, has to be put on the sidelines. They are useless because yeah. they have a different vision. Yeah. So they have to buy into the vision. How long do you uh, kind of let a valuable key team member go without, let's say you notice them not really grabbing the vision or making the vision their own? How long do you let that go for? Or do you just confront them right away? Do you look at, man, maybe I'm not casting it properly. And then how, do you, how long do you let that go before you release them from that place of leadership? Yeah, I definitely think it's a conversation. I think that, um, you know, I think it's unfair to, to just release somebody and then cowardly afterwards say, well, because I didn't feel you're in line with my vision. I, th I think it's, it's always worth a conversation. Hey... 
for whatever reason, you know, I'm preaching this, but I just feel you're resistant. I just feel you know better. I just feel that you think that, hey, you know, the direction that I'm casting is not in line with what you believe God is telling you. Mm. And we get that all the time, mm. you know. Uh, in fact, you know, Pastor Steve Kelly said to me, you can tell a lot about a church by who's leaving it. Wow. So never, never be afraid to, to lose the wrong people. Wow. Um, because there are people, for whatever reason, they, they, they've been baptized with a different baptism. They've, they've had a different experience or whatever. And they come in, they hear what you're saying, but they know better or they know different. And they may even, because of their gifting, be on your team. For example, we had, uh, we had a wonderful youth guy uh, in, our, uh, in our church in Sydney. And, uh, I mean, he was just, he was phenomenal. He very quickly had the largest uh, junior high connect group. He had between 25 and 35 kids that would go to his connect group on a Tuesday night. On a Friday night when we had youth group, he would, he would operate sound. He would, you know, fill his car with young people. He had a great job, earned lots of money. He would take them out to, you know, McDonald's afterwards. So, I mean, from a discipleship perspective, and then, uh, and then we just noticed that none of his young people were giving. And so, you know, we just kind of sat with him and said, look, you know, what, what's the deal here? And look, I've gone through the tithing records. You're not tithing. I don't believe in tithing. I mean, well, how can you not believe in tithing? Well, we don't actually even believe in, in uh, you know, Sunday church. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, my dad is a house church pastor in the book of Acts. Sure. They went from house to house. Yeah. And uh, they had nothing. They shared everything in common. And, you know, we don't believe in, in church and having buildings. And I'm like, but you're serving in a youth group in a church that has buildings. He says, yeah, because our, our church doesn't have a youth group because it's too small. I said, well, why is it too small? Gosh. Because we just meet in houses. And, uh, and there's no leadership, no vision, no direction. He didn't say that. That's me kind of, you know. And, uh, and so very quickly, I had to let him go. The sad thing is, of those 25 to 35 people, we probably lost 90% of them because they were, they were attached to him. So he was a gifted, talented guy, but he had been baptized with a very, very different vision of what church should be and could be. And, uh, and because I didn't recognize it early enough, but, but out of need, and I think that's, the, that's a, a, always going to be a leader's uh, Achilles heel, that because you have a great vision, you, you're always in, in a quandary where you have insufficient resources to fulfill what's in front of you. That's why the parable, uh, that's why the, you know, the, uh, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is in all four Gospels. It impacted Matthew, it impacted Mark, it impacted Luke, it impacted John. It's the only miracle in all four Gospels because it's the miracle where the vision in front of Jesus was greater than the resources that he had in his hand. And that is the constant dilemma of every leader, of every, you know, entrepreneur, every businessman, businesswoman. In fact, every Christian, you'll find that when God speaks to you, he'll give you a vision that is greater than what you currently possess. And so the shortcut is to see a gifted person and immediately put them into a position of authority and leadership without first vetting, uh, you know, that their, their heart is engaged with you. And people even say, I'm with you. And, uh, but they're, 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 they, they, the language of I'm with you is almost uh, identical to, hey, I'm for you, or I'm for what you're for, for now. Wow. But they're not really with you. Wow. They're just for, I want to reach young people, or I'm for 
so I can partner with you. But really, I, I, I believe that church should be this. I believe that, Gosh. you know, and so, there's a, that, so now that becomes a division. Wow. Because there's two visions. Yeah. And as soon as you have division, every, you know, house divided cannot stand. And so I think that you've got to sit down with that leader and just say, hey, talk to me. This is our vision, but I just find that you've got, you know, just some other deals. Talk, talk to me. T tell me, am I missing something here? And I always think if you play that, that part, and I've always found like Haman, you, they, you give them enough rope, they'll hang themselves. Well, I, I just don't agree with, you know, kids speaking in tongues. I just, I just think that if we, wow. you know, ease back from the Holy Spirit, then, you know, we're going to get more. Well, we're here to make disciples. Yeah, but we could reach more lost, but we could we get a bigger crowd. But what's the point of just getting a crowd, you know, if we're here to empower people, mm. you know, D does that make sense? Yeah. So, 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 so I think you've it. got to have the conversation. I don't think you can just yeah. fire them, but you've got to have the conversation and ask them questions. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. What about uh, getting your vision as the senior leader to transfer down to, for example, let's say the parking team, like you have a conviction, which is a phenomenal team, by the way, um, uh, because the senior leader might have an extraordinary vision for the parking team and what they want it to be like. How do we ensure that the parking team member has that same vision? And is it even possible for them to have the same level of conviction as a senior leader? Yeah. You know, I, th I think that the, the, the strength of a leader is determined by how many layers or how many levels the vision can travel. God. That's the strength so of a leader, how many layers the vision can travel. And, uh, and again, what, what we've discovered, what I discovered is, you know, my personality and then my background did not help me. So I have a sanguine, I'm the, I love being the funny guy, I love being the, the life of the party, that's me. I want everyone to like me. And then growing up with, you know, a pretty traumatic father rejection. Um, for me, I'd never wanted to hurt or offend or have people not like me. So therefore, I, I struggled with the ability to confront people. But I found that to, to get vision down to those, those uh, deeper layers, you cannot do it without correction. So if our vision is, is excellence and you've got a guy out there in you know, a pair of sweatpants with a hole in the knee, uh, you know kind of gruffly, you know, pointing at people and rolling their eyes when somebody goes the wrong way. That that's not excellence. And so you've actually got to you've actually got to have that you've got to call them out on it. You've got to say, "Hey, listen, I noticed this or talk to the team leader. Listen, we don't do this. You know, we have umbrellas when it's raining. We we only have smiling people. I can't tell you how many people I've seen on the door of the church over the years." who that poor old pastor, he hasn't even preached his sermon and they've already turned people off the church. Yes. They've already convinced, Seriously. they've already made it so hard that they, they yeah. come into the church and they already don't like the church because the person on the front door was rude, was obnoxious, you know, said something mm. silly to them. Wow. I remember uh, I remember Leanne and I, when we first moved here, we went back for, I think it was the Presence Conference and there was, there was a couple who were on the door. First thing the, the wife says to me is, oh, you've put on weight. <laughs> Yeah, God bless you. Thank and, you. Uh, and uh, she goes, oh, and you look older. You know, wow, you know, church planting must be really stressful. And I'm um, like, keep the compliments I coming. I love you too. You know, it's like, and, uh, and so I'm like, and they're on the door. And I'm thinking, shoot, if you felt at liberty to say that. 
And, you know, to me, how, what, what are you saying to other people? And so that pastor hasn't even preached a sermon yet. And you got negative, you know, not smiling, people looking for critical. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, you, And so, so I think you've got to call people out on it. Yeah. Uh, without correction, without correction, you've got to correct people. Otherwise, they don't know. Yeah. Otherwise, they just feel at liberty to run with their bents, their biases, their impulses, their emotions, their lack of disciplines, and you can't. So again, in Genesis 11, and look, it's a, it's a uh, you know, it's uh, an anti-parable in the sense of it's a negative that has a positive uh, outcome. The Bible says, even though they were building, an, you know, the Antichrist kingdom, it says they were with one language and one speech. And when God saw they had one language and one speech, he said, now nothing will be impossible. And I think, again, how do you measure that they all had the same the same vision nimrod had the vision to build the tower mm. but all the way down the people had one language God. and one speech wow so they they didn't just speak the same language they used the same words wow. they used the same vernacular they used the same they had the same does that make sense and so yes. so you, you know so i think that uh when people are using they you know they have the same language yeah you know we're going to you know impact our our city we're going to but they're their speech is different. Wow. It's one language, one speech. And, yes. and so it always comes out in the speech. Wow. Incredible. We got, we got time for maybe one more kind of thought and, and question. Um, but as, as a leader, when do we look to see uh, that the issue maybe isn't the people receiving, but it's actually us in, in casting? And how do, we, how do we know that? How do we know to look to ourselves um, to see, am I doing a, a good enough job casting this vision or, or not? Because I, I think, you know, we want to maybe blame the, the people and the leaders that, that aren't receiving it, but maybe it's, a, it's an issue in ourselves. How, how, do, how do we know that? And how do we know, um, how do we look into ourselves and do we get people around us, leaders around us that maybe aren't in our church and, and let them look at our vision, look at how we're doing it and then critique us? Or what, what are some ways that we can do that? You know, I, I, I think that uh, for me anyway, I think it helps me with humility if I assume the position always that I haven't communicated the vision clear enough. Wow. I just so think good. that if, if I start there, because I don't th look if if people have really bought the vision, they they they're excited that you're sharing the vision again. You know, uh, no no Chargers fan will be put off by hearing the Chargers coach again share, "Hey, you know, we're going to win our next game. I, this is our vision to go out there and just like everyone's excited." Yes. And so, but I always I just assume I always just assume that that I'm playing catch up, and I I don't think that's a bad uh, default position to, hey, this is our vision, this is where we're going, this is what we're doing, and, and share out of that. So I think it's, I think it's a, a wise thing. And I think that, um, you know, when we look at Jesus, Jesus was constantly sharing the vision, and uh, everything that he preached was the vision. So Jesus had, had two, two purposes. The first one was to die on the cross as the Lamb of God to redeem mankind. Mm. But the second one was to cast the vision so that when he ascended to, to yes. the right hand of heaven, 
He had people who could run with the vision and go into all the world and make disciples. Now, can you imagine what a tragedy if Jesus only accomplished the first? Now, if he only did the first, you know, thank God. Like if, if all he did was save mankind from the wrath of God and from sin by dying on the cross as the Lamb of God. But imagine the tragedy today if that's all that Jesus did and nobody knew about it. So Jesus lived with a duality that he didn't just die on the cross for our sin, but he spent those three and a half years with those knuckleheads, yeah. you know, and I fit right in there. Yeah. You know, you, you read through doubting Thomas, unless I see, mm. you know, again, he's talking about vision, unless I see the scars, unless I see that I ain't wow. believing. So Jesus, you know, chose 12 very legit, very real guys. One betrayed him and, uh, for three and a half years, cast vision, constantly cast vision. Son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sin. I've told you beforehand that when he is risen, you're not be, you know, but go in Jerusalem, meet me in Jerusalem. But, you know, and then for 40 days he appears. And then he talks about the second coming, he talks about his coming again. And so Jesus constantly put the vision before them for three and a half years. And I think that, uh, and even then, you know, a lot of them didn't get it until they saw, until they saw. So sometimes we can think, wow, my gosh, they've been on my team for a year. They should have got it by now. If Jesus Christ, God in a human body, took yeah. three and a half years and even then, yeah. do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, so that's why it's got to be a constant, mm. you know, a constant yeah. casting of vision. And the most important thing is to, to keep casting vision. Never assume that people have got it. Keep casting it out there. Keep throwing it out there until the language and the speech what you're hearing back it's you know it, it's you're, you're sending out an echo and what is coming back and that's that's a really a great relationship that's what god is looking for wow. god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son so god gave out of love god gave his life what god is looking for is from us to echo back and say god wow we give our life because of our love for you that's god is always looking for that that echo response it's the same in a marriage you know uh I, I love my wife. And, and again, the vulnerability of love is, will she love me back? Hmm. You know, and so, so that's what we're looking for. And so it's the same with, with leadership. This, this is our vision. And you cast the vision when you begin to hear it back. And that's when, when Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. When he said, you are the Christ, the son of, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Because flesh and blood, as in, you didn't come to that by Harvard education. Yeah. You didn't come by peer pressure. Yeah. Uh, you, you have tapped into God. You have heard from God. You've learned how to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God. And you have received revelation. I tell you, you're Peter. On this rock, I'll build my church. And so, you know, what Jesus was commending him for is, I sent out a me and now I'm hearing it back. I I've sent it. The, the vision is I'm the Messiah and you've seen it. You've caught it. It's been revealed to you. And so, you know, sending out the vision when you hear it back from your leader, when you hear it back. But Jesus constantly, they were squabbling over this. And he's like, oh, gosh, how yes, long shall I be? Right. How long should bring the boy to me? You know, it's like so. Phenomenal. That is That is incredible. Let me just, as, as we finish, let me just encourage every leader that's listening to this right now to not just let yourself be the only person that listens to this message, 
but get it in the hands of every team member that you can. Um, that's, that's, I think, one of the, the best ways is so that they can actually hear it. So what does it look like to make vision stick? Because some people might be good at casting it, but not so good at making it stick. And making it stick to me is, is everything and making it stick with team members, and, uh, which is really good. So thank you so much, Pastor Jurgen. My um, pleasure. Thank you. That will conclude this month's edition of C3 San Diego's Leadership Podcast. We love you. We'll see you back here next week, and uh, have a great Christmas vacation. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 